Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're still studying our authority, releasing our authority. You know, we did a marriage conference last week, and I got to thinking about some things in, in Lee and I's marriage, and kind of went back in my memory back to the first few years we were married. And uh, I have to say that an understanding of my authority in Christ in the spirit realm to bind in the demonic and loose in the heavenly uh, really helped our marriage in the early days. Because there were times when I sensed the enemy, the adversary, trying to get in, in between Lee and I. And I just, listen, when that happened, I went to battle. I got on my knees. I began to bind spirits. I began to speak the Word of God. I began to loose the peace of God. And you know, because of that, we've really had a blessed life. Our life has really been blessed. But you know, it wasn't without the application of the authority of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit of God. Now listen. We know a lot about authority just through observation, the lives that we have lived uh, uh, here just in society, in civil society. Uh, we have a, uh, uh, tonight there's a, a, a little policewoman out there, uh, you know, that represents uh, the authority of our city. Uh, li- literally, she is here to enforce legal law, uh, laws that are on the books. Now, she's here for our protection. Not only does she have uh, our approval and permission, she has the approval and permission of the city of Galveston and of all the laws that are on the books, uh, both here in Galveston, in this county, in the state, and in the nation. Amen? She has behind her an entire police force at the ready, at the beck and call, if needed. Behind that, there's state police, federal police, there's military. I'm telling you, when you begin to realize the strata and structure of authority that just stands behind one police officer, it's an amazing revelation when you begin to realize it. And if you've noticed in the past, oh, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, how there's been such a, how can I say this, such a spirit of, of, uh, of just trying to, you know, uh, go against that authority. People against the police. People, you, you know, uh, uh, belittling them and doing things. And I remember, what was it? Back during the summer, people in New York were throwing water on them and doing all that kind of stuff. You know, that, uh, that, that, that's stupid. That's not very smart. You say, why? The Bible says those people look out after our peace. They help keep us from going into anarchy. And in the same way, your spiritual authority... And your ability, and I like to just use it like this, because for so many years we've looked at ourselves as soldiers in the army of God, where actually what we are is police officers in the police department of God, enforcing the law of the spirit of life in Christ over the law of sin and death. Now let me say this for you. There are many things in your life. Now you just have to get this in your spirit. There are many things in your life That if you do not exercise the authority that you have in Christ Jesus, it's not going to get done. They say, well, I just believe it's going to happen because I come to Island Church. It won't. Well, I just believe because I come up to the altar and Pastor Rusty prays for me. It won't. You're going to have to begin to exercise your own authority, that which God has given you in Christ as an individual, as a child of God, and you're going to have to stand in faith 
and believe when you release authority, it works. Let me say it like this. Believe that when you resist the devil, he flees. He runs in stark terror from you. Amen. Amen. Now, here in, we kind of left off here last week in Matthew chapter 4. Let me get over there real quick in my Bible. I keep promising to learn how to use one of those uh, space things, but what are they called? Laptops? iPads. One of the great mysteries of the world is where does your lap go when you stand up? You ever thought about that? Why do you have one when you're sitting down, but you don't have one when you're standing up? That used to be a question. Brother Osteen used to ask Pastor Doty all the time. Doty, where does your lap go when you stand up? She'd just turn the lights off. Now, this, this portion of Scripture in, in Matthew chapter 4, now, we looked last week. Now, this is, it's so hard. It was hard for me. And I've taught this message of authority all over the world from the time I began to really get a revelation of it till today. And it's hard to break religious mindsets and religious thinking. But in reality, you must understand that before this incident in Matthew chapter 3, where Jesus literally submitted himself to the ministry of John the Baptist, was baptized in the Jordan River not to confess sin but to fulfill righteousness. When he came up out of the water, he was anointed by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came upon him. The Father spoke a word of identification. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it was not up until that time that Jesus began to operate in any supernatural power whatsoever. From the time he was 30 back to the time of his birth, we have no record whatsoever. I believe if there was a record, we would have it. Now that must bring us to a conclusion which really bumps up against the religious mindset. That Jesus did not come to walk as a God on the earth. But he came to walk as a man in correct relationship to his God. Now there are some things that were unique about him that are not unique about you. And the most important thing to understand when it comes to the miraculous and authority is this. He had the Spirit without measure. We have the Spirit by measure. Now let me say that again. John chapter 3 tells us that. He had the Spirit without measure. That means He walked in a full measure or the full measure of the Holy Ghost or of the Holy Spirit. Now you say, well, that means we're, we, we don't have as much power. Actually, we should have more. You say, now why do, you, why do you say we should have more? Because the body of Christ on the earth today is so much bigger than the body of Christ that walked on the earth. I like to say it like this. The body of Christ that worships on the earth is so much bigger than the, than the body of Christ that lived on the earth. The body of Christ that praises on the earth. The body of Christ that evangelizes on the earth. The body of Christ that lays hands on the sick on the earth. The body of Christ that casts out devils on the earth. is what? It's worldwide. Back in that day, it was one man in one location who had the Spirit of God without measure. Still, he did not act like a God. His actions and activity were still that of a man in correct relationship to his God. Which means results that we should get should be the same as the Lord Jesus Christ when he walked on the earth if we walk by faith connected to the body. I was, I was watching some things the other day. I've been, I've been reading, reading some things and 
and, and looking at some things about moves of God, the move of God, and an amazing testimony I'd never heard before uh, that took place at Azusa Street. Actually, two of them. One particular was a man that came in in an overcoat. He was missing an arm, and the way they, they, they amputated his arm, it was, he lost it in an accident. They left it right here at the bend of the elbow. They actually left his elbow and cut his arm off right here, right by, the, right by where you could still bend your elbow, but nothing was there. He had an overcoat, he had an undercoat, he had on a, a, a shirt, a tie, a t-shirt, and some suspenders. And so as, as God began to move in a particular service, uh, the Spirit of God began to move on a particular minister, asked the man to remove his overcoat, asked the man to remove his undercoat, asked the man to take off his shirt, and he stood there in his t-shirt and suspenders, and the, 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 the witness said this, as he lifted his hand, it's like an arm just rolled out of that stub. And when it got to them, when he got his hand all the way up, there was his hand and his arm with, all, with his fingernails and everything totally complete. Documented. That's documented. And that was witnessed by over 800 people. Now, we must understand that that creative part of the miraculous of God, we put that off many times to the sovereignty of God. But when you go back and you look at what was going on in 1905, 1906, there was a tremendous amount of prayer that was taking place and intercession was going on and people were coming into a revelation of the supernatural of God. It got to the point, uh, the, the second testimony was uh, where a man came uh, that was, uh, had some kind of a problem in his lungs and couldn't hardly breathe and was choking as he came into the meeting and before he could get down to the front, one of the children stepped out, reached up and laid hands upon the man's chest and just prayed a simple prayer in the name of Jesus. And the man was miraculously healed just by one of the children that was sitting there exercising the authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe God looks for people that will be expectant and that will desire to walk in those things in order to show up and do those kind of things. Now, here in this scripture we understand that Jesus submitted himself to what God was doing, was baptized not to confess sin but to fulfill righteousness. Let, let me stop on that for just a moment because we didn't hit it too hard last week. Let me just, just for a moment. You say, what do you mean by that? Listen, once you get saved, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You believe you're going to serve God, seek God for the, His will for your life. Coming to church, praying, reading your Bible, all that you do to serve God, we talked about it last Sunday morning, being your worship. You worship. You're giving God your life, part of your worship. In so doing, there should come a point in your growth in Christ and your growth in character in which sin no longer is the issue. Now let me say that again. In which sin no longer is... Listen, when I first came back to the Lord, sin was still the issue. I mean, I was like doing everything I could do to resist not getting high, to resist not, you know, doing some uh, stupid thing with, uh, you know, some girlfriend or something. I mean, I, I was just resisting with everything that I knew to keep the sin out of my life. Look, it took a little while. But by the time I made it to Bible school in September, it was no longer sin was an issue, fulfilling righteousness was. And once you get on the path, you get off the sin issue and start getting on the path to fulfilling righteousness, it's amazing how you do not have to resist desires through willpower any longer. Willpower always just kind of, kind of left me kind of wanting. I never did uh, muster much willpower against all of the vices that I had. Anybody ever experienced that? You know, you get up on a Monday morning, you're like, man, I'll never do that again. Well, Monday afternoon, you're doing it again, you know. Willpower always falls short. But God's power does not fall short. Amen. 
And if you'll recognize and realize that you are a vessel on this earth of authority with a design upon your life to fulfill righteousness, then that desire and that, that knowledge of that authority is going to rise up in you and every time those old, those old uh, uh, appetites try to rise up, you can just turn and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm a new creature in Christ. I have no appetite for that anymore. Thank you, Father, that I've been delivered. And I guarantee you, you'll walk in the authority of God and the deliverance of God. Now, right here in chapter 4, we notice these things about Jesus. He was anointed. He had correct spiritual perception. And automatically, as he began to go prepare for ministry, not only for ministry, but for, the, but, but for redemption, to do what God had called him to do for the redemption, there was what? There was resistance. Everybody say resistance. Now, if God knew his children would be on the earth, and on the earth they would be resisted. Now let me say that again. If God knew that his children upon the earth, he knew that they would be resisted. You say, what do you mean? There is actually more than one force that resists you. There is the force of this world system. There's the force of your flesh. There's the force of your mind. Then there is the force of the demonic. And those forces try to come together to resist anything you ever try to do in righteousness. Now the reason is, is because the devil knows what God has put in you and the devil knows what God has made you. Let me, if you could just for a second of time know what the devil thinks about you, you would see how much he fears you, how intimidated he is by you, and how much he does not want you to have any information whatsoever when it comes to the authority of the believer or your rights and privileges in Christ. He don't want you to know it. He don't want you to walk in it. He doesn't want you to flow in that. He does not want that. That's why we have so much dead religion. Now, I, was, I, was, I keep referring back to this, this conference I watched on the, on, the, on the laptop, iPad, cell phone, whatever it is. <laughs> Amen. And uh, 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 of all of the, they were not for nothing. Healing? No. That all passed away. Holy Ghost? No, that's fanaticism. Bunch of mumbling. Power of God? No. Joy? No. I'm like... Now I begin to think, because I heard them say some things that were, you know, I mean, they just discounted anything miraculous other than the new birth. Now they were for the new birth. And I thought to myself, now wait a second. If nothing is available for us, and if everything is, is you know, uh, relegated to this sovereignty issue, that the only way anything gets done is if God somehow miraculously steps in and does it. And we have to wait on that, and that may happen for this one, but it's not going to happen for this one, but it might happen for that one back there, or this one over here. But, you know, as far as you ever doing anything about your problems, you're just going to have to wait on the sovereignty of God. I thought to myself, if that is true then redemption made God weaker and made the devil stronger. Now let me say that again. That means redemption, if all redemption did was forgive your sin and all Jesus overcame was death, then all he overcame was rigor mortis. But he overcame a whole lot more than that. 
and he spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of opening and then he got all the authority of the universe and he pulled it back to himself and then he what? He delegated it to us as a church. He said, here's my authority. Walk in my authority. Operate in my, take my authority and take it down on earth and resist the resistance to the point you push them back and you pushing them back becomes your offense. You're moving into that which God says belongs to you. I'm telling you, if we don't have any authority over the devil, we're in trouble. But we do. But notice immediately. Now, Satan obviously knew who this guy was. I mean, he tried to kill him as soon as he was born. He's two years late trying to do it, though. I like what T.L. Osborne used to say, dumb devil. He killed all the babies there in Bethlehem, and they escaped to Egypt. Then he came out, and God kind of had a, had a hedge of protection about him. But he knew who this guy was. You know, we saw in his ministry, every time a demon uh, would get in his presence, he'd cry, don't torment me before the time. He knew who this guy was. The devil knew who this guy was. So he goes out into the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights, fasting and praying, getting ready for his three and a half year ministry and to complete his, his assignment on the earth. And as soon as he steps out of, the, out of the wilderness to begin to begin what God says to do, what happens? Resistance. Resistance. See, the enemy still has this warped idea that all this still belongs to him. But there is one thing on the earth that without question does not belong to him. You say, what is that? You. You don't belong to him. You belong to Jesus. And he's put his power, his authority in you. Now, let me read through this real quick. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Afterward, he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh them up into the holy city, setteth them on the pinnacle of the temple, saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, least at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him. Now I'm emphasizing... Then said, then said, then saith, then said, then said, then saith, then said, then said, then saith. Authority that is not released through your words never works. Period. You say, you mean I'm going to have to say something? You're going to have to say something. You're going to have to open your mouth. And you're going to have to say, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of whatever it is that's trying to torment your mind, whatever it is that's trying to mess with your finances, whatever it is that's trying to make your body sick, whatever it is, you're going to have to speak it. You're going to have to say it. Now remember what we said about words. Your words are the only thing you have that touch both the spirit and the natural realm. So you've got pressure, you've got resistance coming at you 
from the spirit realm that's showing up where? In the natural realm. Right here. In the natural realm, it's showing up. There's pain in your body. There's a deficit in your finances. There's turmoil in your, turmoil in your home. There's depression trying to... It's showing up in the natural realm. Therefore, you must release words in the natural realm that go to the spirit realm and take care of the problem in the spirit realm. Amen? I was thinking this the other day. Pretty abstract thinking. If I had at my house, I live on the bay, so there's water right there in my backyard. If there was a fish, a flounder, I like flounders, that every night came out of the water, unseen, unheard by me, but he went and he flattened all the tires on my truck. <laughs> Pulled up all the plants I planted. You say, well, how do you know it's a flounder? Well, he leaves that print, that flounder bed, everywhere he goes. That's why I didn't use a trout or a redfish. You, how many have ever seen a flounder bed? So you know they exist. So I get up in the morning, there's a flounder bed coming out of the water going right to the stem on my truck, and that stem's bitten in half, my tire's flat. Amen? And so I spend all kinds of time staying up at night. I get me a night scope, and I can't ever catch this thing. I'm going to have to go somewhere to take care of that situation. Where I'm going to go is in the water. Because that's where he lives. That's where he exists. So I'm going to do everything I can do. I, I, I can try to catch him with my rod. I can try to gig him with my flounder gig. But I can find him where he exists, where he lives. Now that's an abstract illustration. But Satan is in the spirit realm. Remember we talked about Ephesians chapter 6. We fight against what? Principalities, powers, evil spirit in wicked places. You're going to have to go into another realm. You're going to have to get familiar with that realm. That realm does not need to be a strange place to you. Now let me say that again. That realm does not need to be a strange place to you. You say, well, how does it become a familiar place? Through your prayer, through your reading of the Word, through your coming to church, through your praise, through your worship, through all that you do, you become familiar with the spirit realm. Listen, I know many times... When I'm in intercession, when I'm in prayer, and I speak that name in the name of Jesus, devil, get your hand. I can sense something break in the spirit. I can sense something move in the spirit. I can sense something released in the spirit. You say, why? Because I'm familiar with that realm. And if you get familiar with that realm, now let me say this. this way, I've heard this term, and there's been times I did not like it, and there's been other thing, times this term was used and there was, it, it made sense. So I'm going to use it uh, just, I don't know, just to throw it out. And I may, I may change it to help you understand it. But you have to have some faith in your faith. Or a better way to say it like this. You have to trust that your faith works. Amen? See, we're very result-oriented. We want something in the natural to show up just like that. Sometimes it does. We've seen it happen. Lee and I have seen it happen before with healing. We've seen it happen with finances. We've seen it happen in many, many different areas. But there are times when your authority released in the Spirit initiates a process. Releases something. Looses something. Binds something up. 
causes something to manifest in such a way that you don't see any immediate results, but it begins the job and it'll get done by you persisting in faith. Now, these three temptations, we could call them the, you know, the temptations of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that they were physical, mental, and spiritual. Now, always remember this is before redemption took place, before His death, burial, and resurrection, before He got the name that He got, the name of Jesus that carries all of the weight of the Godhead and the power of the Word. Somebody should have said amen. Now, here He is, but He musters resistance through what? Through the it is written's of God. Now, where He begins His attack, is that, listen, the devil hasn't changed tactics since he, since he fell. It's the same tactics he's going to use on you, he's going to use on your mind, he's going to use on your family, he's going to use on everybody around you, and that is this. He begins with an attack on your identity because it is your identity that is a threat to him. You say, now what do you mean by that? You got a brand new identity when you got born again. You're no longer a child of the fallen human race. You're a child of God. That means there are characteristics about you that look like your father. <laughs> it looks like your father. Amen. Therefore, he's going to challenge your... Let me, let me give you a couple of illustrations. How about when you just got saved? When you just got saved. How do you remember that day? You just got saved. What's the first thing the devil told you? You ain't saved. You, now, do you, now, do you, now, come on. You've been sinning for 30 years, and you think going down to an altar for two minutes and saying some prayer with a preacher has caused you to be something that, you're, that, you, that you've never been, and, and all that's behind you now, and now you're some brand new. Come on! What was he attacking? Same way he does when that pain in your hip, that congestion in your chest, in your nose, that fever hits you, that allergy hits you, and the devil says, you're not healed. He's not Now listen to me. He's not attacking the healing ministry. He's not attacking the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's attacking your identity as one that is healed by the stripes on Jesus' back. That's what he's doing. Well, if you be healed, why are you taking those prescriptions? Listen, that's why you always do, ought to do everything you do by faith. If you've got to take medication, every one you take, you ought to say, well, this is the next to the last one that I'm ever going to have to take. If you'll do that, then one day will come when you won't have to take it anymore. You do that by faith. Now, the same truth, well, he really does it when it comes to finances. Because your adversary, the devil, the Bible talks about in his identity that his merchandising that his, his, he was covered with all of the, the, the wealth, the beautiful gemstones, all this. He knows something about the power of wealth, the power of money, and he knows something about the love of it. Because the Bible says it's not money that's the root of all evil, it's the love of it. Amen? So he knows how to intimidate you. He knows how to stress you. He knows how to put thoughts in your mind of poverty, of lack, trying to resist the identity of who you are as one that is blessed by your heavenly Father. Remember what we've said about riches in the kingdom. It has nothing to do with what you have. It has to do with who you are. 
Riches in the natural have to do with what you... I heard somebody say this one. Well, I'd trade what I have for, what, what, uh, for the material any day. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because you can lose all of that in the material realm, but you'll never lose this. You're rich throughout eternity. You're a child of God. You, you have royal blood flowing in your veins. So he gets into your... Now listen, this does not matter how much money you have. I've had the devil try to do this. When we had all kinds of money, just as much as he tries to do it, when you have very little money, he'll get into your mind. He'll try to show you that what you have is not enough. He'll try to convince you that even if you do have something, you're going to lose it. He'll do everything he can do to try to cause you to be in fear, to be intimidated, because he knows if he can challenge your identity and get you to fall for it, he's got you. He's not going to drag you into hell and cause you to commit some unpardonable sin. He's got you in a place of being dormant where you're not effective in the kingdom. Amen? I had a friend. He had their ministry was struggling, having a hard time. Every ministry, that's happened to every ministry. And they gave all they had. He and his wife gave everything they had. They were in a revival meeting with another minister was conducting the meeting. And they gave all they had in the nights uh, before his meeting. Everything they had, they emptied out their personal checking account, em emptied out their ministry checking account, didn't have any money in savings or anything like that. Didn't have anything. And this guy happened to be preaching on prosperity two, three nights in a row. So this guy just took a button off his cinema. I got nothing to give. And he looked down and saw a button. He pulled a button off his coat and he threw it in the offering. Well, the next night, God was moving by the Spirit. There was, I don't know, maybe a thousand people in this particular meeting. And a guy called him, picked him out of the crowd. He and his wife called him up to the front, laid hands on him, power God knocked them both on the floor. And then he told the crowd, come cover them up with money. And the crowd responded. It was a move of the Spirit. And they covered this two couple with money. I'll never forget, he said, it took four of those big brown manila envelopes to, ha to haul all the money out. Amen? Now you say, what point does that make? I wish God would do that for me right now. <laughs> it's really not them being covered with money that's the point. It was them looking for the last thing they had to give, knowing that what? What we just read. God is not mocked. Every time the enemy says, you, can, you, know, not, you ain't going to be able to pay your bills. You ought to say, God is not mocked. Every time he says, well, you're not. You're, you're believing to pay off your home, pay off a car, pay off some debt, get, out of, get all your credit. Then the devil says, well, you'll never do it. Look, your debt's just building up more and more. You ought to say, God is not mocked. Especially, now listen to me, especially if you tithe an offer, especially if you've got some it is written to throw back at him to exercise authority with. Now, this is where, now notice, for every, all three of these, Jesus released his confession. He released what he said. He is and was the Word of God. Amen? Now, people say, well, Pastor, I don't see any value in me walking around all day long thinking about healing scriptures, saying them, thinking about prosperity scriptures, saying them, thinking about, thinking about redemption scriptures, saying this. Now, here's why. You don't understand yet or do not have the understanding yet that what you are doing is preparing yourself to use authority. That's why God said to Joshua, don't let this word or don't let this law depart from your mouth. 
but meditate therein day and night that you might observe to do all that is written therein, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. We'll take prosperity. Everybody can relate to money. So you walk around every day. Father, I thank you. You are Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. You supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians, what, 4, 413? 417, one of those two. Thank you, Father. Luke 638. I give. It comes back to me. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running. Thank you, Father. According to Malachi chapter 10. I'm a tither. The devourer is rebuked. Devourer, I call you rebuked. Thank you, Father. You open the windows of heaven. Pour me out blessing I don't live long enough to contain. It'll affect my children, my grandchildren. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. My seed does not reproduce after its own. My, my seed does not cast itself in the field before its time. Thank you, Lord. You give me the ability to obtain wealth so that your covenant is established in the earth. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Father. I glorify you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father. He spared not his own son, but he will with, with him also freely give me all the lesser things of life. Jesus was made poverty for me so that I through him might... Be abundantly supplied. So you're worshiping God. You do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Then you get your paycheck. And all, next thing you know, you don't have enough money to pay all your bills. And you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? You've already done it. You've been taking that word, let me, let me say it like this, and digesting it. The confession of the word of God is the digestion process. That's how you meditate. That's how you mumble it to yourself. That's how you keep it in the forefront of your mind. Then when that thought hits you, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. You don't have enough. There ain't no way you're going to write no offering check this way. There ain't no way you can do that. You turn, not, not worshiping God. You're not worshiping God. Now you turn to the other dimension, to the other realm. What realm is that? The realm of the resistance. The realm of the pressure. You've been prepared for it all week long as you've confessed the Word of God. You're ready. Listen, it's hard to go hunting with a gun with no ammo. It's hard to drive a car without any gas. There are certain components to mechanical things that we operate that there are other components that without those components they do not function. You can't just go around, oh Lord, Lord, Pastor talked about some kind of, uh, I don't know what it was, uh, give or tithe, or I don't know what it is, but devil, get out of here. He's going to laugh at you. But you've been worshiping God. Thank you, Father. Oh, you supply all of my needs. Thank you, Lord. As I give, it comes back to me. Oh, thank you, Father. The devourers of me. Thank you, Lord. Worship you. And then here comes the devil with that thought. Say, wait a second, Lord. Be right back. Devil, it is written. My God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. First person that benefits from that is you. Because you hear yourself release that authority. You know something has been done. Now here's the problem. People will do that and say, well, what if nothing happens? You cannot consider. As long as you consider the what if will not happen, you've got to keep on worshiping God with that word till faith comes and takes hold in your life. Because I never consider, what if it doesn't work? If I had to consider the what if said if it, that it doesn't work, I'd never be here. I'd have been defeated a long time ago. Well, what if the pain doesn't leave? What if the money doesn't come? You can't do it. You're not in a position to release authority. Back to our police officer. They trained them with those guns, with those weapons. And I mean, if she was in a situation where she had to draw and use her weapon, and she's like, well, I, I, I really, I, I know I was trained. Uh, I, know, I know there's bullets in the gun. I know there's one in the chamber. I know the safety's off. I don't know. What if it doesn't go off when I pull the trigger? 
She's been at the range for a thousand hours. She's run box after box after box of shells through there. She knows when I pull this trigger, something's going to happen. Some laws are going to get enforced. What you're doing through your confession, through your worshiping of God with His Word, you're giving it back to Him. You're sending it back up to your high priest, who the only things that he has to present before God is your words. And if you load him up with your words, then when you turn around... The devil may see you, but he sees the entire structure of the authority of heaven standing behind you. That's why the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee, run in stark terror from you. It's not you just as an individual or a person. It's what's standing behind you. He feels the pain of that defeat 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoiled principalities and bound him and led him through eternity. Bound, the Bible says, a vanquished foe. See, the more you study about Christ's victory and Satan's defeat, the more confidence you have in your authority. Now let me say that again. The more you study, the more you read about Christ's victory. You say, why? Because His victory is your victory. I said, His victory was your victory. We're not trying, oh, if we could just get the victory. Oh, we need to get the... No, you've got the victory. We fight the fight of faith from the standpoint or the arena of the victory that's already been given to us in Christ. So when we say devil, it is written. Come in my finances? You dumb devil. You don't have to tell him what you do. I tithe. I, some people do. Well, devil, I tithe. I give money. I gave him the building fund. I gave to missionaries. He don't go, he's gonna laugh at you. Your words have no power. Your rehearsal of your behavior to the word of God has no power. God's word in now listen to this very carefully. God's word in your heart. That's the word you've been worshiping with. That's the word you've been speaking out of your mouth. That's the word that you just can't get it out of your mind. My God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That word out of a heart of faith when released with words, when it hits the devil, what's it sound like? It sounds just like God speaking it. Because who's really speaking it? God is. It's just coming through you. God is. It's just coming through you. His authority is exercised. His power is... I know I've used this uh, example several times. When I first, the first time I read it, it kind of impressed me. The, 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 the uh, army of occupation, they came into Japan in 1945. There they had the ceremony in the Tokyo Bay on the battleship Missouri and uh, the, the, the surrender papers were signed. Unconditional surrender. Amen? I mean, that's what the devil, un un unconditional surrender. We have authority over him. But they, General MacArthur put out a notice that said this, no one can be out in public without their uniform on. I don't care if you've been, had your stripes ripped off and you're peeling potatoes in the, in the mess hall, you better have your uniform on. If you're out in public, you have to wear your uniform. Now, for the first two years of what they called the occupation, that was the law. If the MPs caught you on the street in civilian clothes, you went to the brig. You say, why is that? Because one of the ways that they enforced the defeat of the enemy and their own victory was to stay in their uniforms. 
Because whether you were wearing MacArthur, MacArthur had a unique, he had a Filipino uh, 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 campaign hat that he wore. He had the five stars on his shoulder. He had all the different medals he had won. He had actually won the congressional, uh, not the congressional, but the Medal of Honor. So he had all of his ribbons, and he'd walk around like that, whether he was in khaki or in dress. And he expected everyone else walking around. Now, you say, why is it? Because the uniform, what they wore, reminded the adversary, you're defeated. You're defeated. Now, God has made you what? According to 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He that knew no sin, did not sin himself. No, he was made sin on our behalf. That through him, his redemptive work, we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You've got on the uniform. You've, you've got it on. In the spirit realm, you, the enemy sees you dressed in a uniform of victory. You don't look like defeat. Now listen to me. You don't look like defeat. You don't look like depression. You don't look like poverty. You don't look like sickness or disease. You don't look like that in the spirit realm. But the enemy wants to try and convince you that's how you look. But you keep your unit. That's why you ought to, those redemptors. Thank you, Father. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm a new creature in Christ. Greater is he that's in me that's in the, he in All of those things that reinforce your identification give you the confidence necessary to stand victorious over the adversary and his press back against your life. If you'll do that, make a decision. This is how I'm going to live. This is how I'm going to walk in life. I think one of the greatest testimonies when Pastor Dodie Osteen was healed of cancer in her book, Healed of Cancer. She wrote this, and I think this is a powerful illustration. Because she's, she's, I think she's 88 this year. She still confesses that, what, 176 uh, healing scriptures. Every day, every day, every day. You say, why? That's how she stays healed. She had a disease. They told her you'd be dead in six weeks. No use in giving us any chemo, no radiation. You'll be dead in six weeks. She's 88 now. Amen. But this is what she said. She said, when they got the diagnosis, she was so weak she was in a wheelchair. She's told this to our Bible school class with tears running down her face. She said, I was so weak. I was so sick. My body, she said, the dress I had on just hung on me. I'd lost so much weight. She said the word in my mind, cancer, you're going to die. She said, I mean, it was like ringing in her ears. She said, but as she confessed those scriptures, spoke those scriptures, told that cancer, it is written. She said by the time she went to the doctor, this was about a year and three months later, she went to the doctor and said, we can't find any cancer in your body whatsoever. She said that word, cancer, you're going to die. What's a little whisper that said, cancer. And the scripture she'd be confessing, by his stripes, I'm healed. The law, the spirit of life in Christ sets me free from the law of sin. You determine the volume and you determine the intensity of the word that is in your heart. That's why a lot of times in prayer, you'll hear me walk around here in prayer, and I'll be praying Scripture, praying Scripture, praying Scripture. You say, what are you doing? Building up my most holy faith. Because I pray in tongues, praying in the Spirit, praying in the natural, building that up. For when it comes time to turn from worshiping my Heavenly Father, turn from praying that Word, meditating about it, and turn and release that authority, I don't have any what-ifs in my mind. It works. I say in the name of Jesus, and He runs in stark terror. And it works for every one of you. Every, well, you're the pastor. Don't ever get off on that. It works for any whosoever will that will dare to work it. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. 
Thank you for that great authority you've deposited in us. Thank you, Father, that the devil is defeated and Jesus is Lord. And all the pressure and all the blowback he tries to bring into our lives, into our church, we stand defiant and resistant against him. And we say, devil, the blood of Jesus is against you. The name of Jesus is over you. The power of the Holy Ghost demonstrates your defeat. And we're more than conquerors in Jesus' name. We thank you for that, Father. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, if you will. Father, we thank you for our word of protection and safety. We declare over the entire church, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Only with our eyes we behold and see the reward of the wicked. We walk on serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy and nothing, 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 nothing shall by any means harm us. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the earth. Therefore, we declare in our travels, here on the earth, in the ocean, up in the air airways, the highways, the railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we declare we are the protected of God. And Father, we also thank you as we handle the righteous labor of our hands, construction, medicine, education, doesn't matter. We are not subject to the evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. Thank you, Father. We abide in the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Lord God, for a door of utterance. We use our authority saying, devil, there are people out there that this week will be a blessing to, an answer to their prayer. We will be a problem to you. You will not intimidate us. We will intimidate you. We're not afraid of you. You're afraid of us. Thank you, Father, for that door of utterance. We leave today walking in faith and love toward one another. We thank you, Father, for faith, for anointing. We thank you, Father, for forward progress. And anything the enemy has tried to push us back on, we press in and take brand new ground in all of our lives in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, as we leave tonight. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.